Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up everyone, welcome to episode 226 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host Mike Morrison, one half of the Membership Guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week and it's a very, very exciting week for us here at the Membership Guys because we've just released the very first online membership industry report. So this is a report that is based on the results of a survey of over 2,000 online membership website owners conducted between June and September of this year. And we carried out the survey with the goal of better understanding how different membership businesses are performing, what challenges they're facing, and the specific things that they're doing to market and grow their membership, as well as to engage and retain members. So we've been wanting to do this for a long, long time because there simply isn't any good data or good benchmarks or information on trends for the world of online memberships. Back in our early days of working with memberships, I remember stumbling across an article that claimed that the average member in a membership only stays subscribed for three months. Now, you probably heard that yourself. It's a claim that has been repeated and republished so much that somehow it just became widely accepted. Truth is, it's utter nonsense. There's not a single shred of data or evidence for that three-month claim. There's no source that is ever cited, no report or study that actually brings this information, these conclusions out there. There's nothing to back up this three-month member tenure claim, but read pretty much any article, any blog about memberships, and about 50% of the time you'll see that statement being made, that people only stay subscribed for three months. Now, we know, and we found out really early on when we're working with memberships, that that just wasn't an accurate reflection of the memberships we were working with. But the fact that that claim has persisted for so long and that it's just become readily accepted is actually part of a larger problem. And that is the fact that there is no reliable data available about the online membership industry. Because the truth is, this industry, this market is tiny. Relatively speaking, it's pretty much a cottage industry. It's a niche of a niche of a niche or a niche of a niche of a niche, depending on what side of the Atlantic you're on. The data that we do have tends to come from either the wider subscription industry, so it includes things like software as a service, subscription boxes, and all those sorts of things that aren't actually the type of online memberships that you and I are creating, or the data comes from membership associations, so traditional membership organizations, which are predominantly offline Neither of those sources accurately reflect the online membership world. So we figured it was time to change that. We figured it was time for some real data and some real benchmarks for the online membership industry. And so we spent the past four or five months tapping into our audience of tens and tens of thousands of membership business owners within our Facebook group, within our podcast audience, within our social media following and within our own membership in order to identify what's going on in their business. How are they performing? What challenges are they facing? What are their numbers and what trends are prevalent? And so 
we are very, very excited and very proud to release the results of that survey in the online membership industry report. Now, it's quite extensive. There's a lot to it. And if you want to check it out, I'd recommend heading over, downloading it at onlinemembershipreport.com. That's onlinemembershipreport.com. I'll put the links in the show notes for this week's episode. And that's going to give you all this data and a breakdown and summary of the main uh, stats, the main trends and benchmarks. But today I wanted to pull out some of the top takeaways. So the most prevalent data that's come out of it and just some interesting little tidbits that I thought I'd share with you guys to give you a little bit of a summary. Now there's quite a lot within that report that pretty much is in line with what you would expect. People with a bigger audience usually have a bigger membership. Memberships that have been around for longer usually have more members and so on. There's a lot of stuff that just verifies what would be reasonable assumptions anyway. But there's a a few bits and pieces that are definitely worth zooming in on a little bit within this episode. And again, I'd encourage you to check out the full report at onlinemembershipreport.com to go even deeper into the data. So the first takeaway from it really is that I think this report shows that the industry is in a very good state. It's very healthy. Almost half of all the memberships surveyed are making at least six figures a year with five. 0.26% of memberships making seven figures and above, which I think is a real, real good indicator of just how healthy the membership world is online and the level of success that people are achieving within this space. 54% of membership owners reported positive growth over the past 12 months. Only 14% reported negative growth. So there's also, as well as over half of memberships actually growing in a big way, there's also memberships that are kind of smooth sailing. They're ticking along nicely, making a sustained level of revenue. Again, real, real good sign of a very healthy industry. And what was actually quite a positive thing for me was great to read was 89% of people saying that they enjoy running a membership. You know, so much of our own motivation as membership owners is focused on lifestyle, is focused on the freedom, the flexibility, the fulfillment that comes from running a membership. And so the fact that nearly 90% of all membership owners stated that they enjoy running a membership, not just that it's okay or, you know, it's better than doing something else. They're enjoying running a membership. I think that's a really, really good thing to see. So definitely um, a lot of indicators that the online membership world is a healthy industry. It's an industry experiencing growth. It's an industry experiencing success and where people running a membership are happy in doing it. Perfect. The thing that I was most keen to do, and I mentioned this in the intro, was totally obliterate that whole myth that the average member will only stay for three months. And this report definitely does that. That's a big, big takeaway for me. In fact, 96% of members stay for more than three months. So can we put that to bed now? Can we put that three-month nonsense to bed? If you want to go a little bit more into the whole myth of the three months, then I talk about it back in episode 162. If you go to membershipguys.com slash 162, you'll get a little bit of background as to where that actually came from and a little bit more on the research that I did that smashes that whole idea. But this is the final nail in the coffin for that three-month myth. If you ever hear anybody say those words again, that memberships suck, 
or memberships are difficult because people only stay on average three months. Please, please direct them to onlinemembershipreport.com to prove them wrong because we have completely destroyed that myth. Not only did 96% of members stay longer than that fabled three-month period, 63%, over 63% of members stay subscribed for more than a year, with 18.37% of members subscribing for more than two years. So people are staying for the long run. And in terms of churn, in terms of holding on to those members, over two-thirds of memberships have a churn rate of less than 10%, with 44% achieving churn of less than 5%. That is fantastic retention for online memberships. Again, this is why it's so important to have a report specific to the world of online memberships. Memberships that are typically e-learning and community-based, that are generally centered around an expert or subject matter specialist. Because actually a lot of the stats that's out there about retention they are related to subscription products, software as a service, where retention rates are higher because the role and the function that that product plays in the life of their subscribers is entirely different. It's a little less disposable than the typical online membership. So this is why it's really important to have this report specifically for this industry. And from our experience in uh, having access to so many memberships and so much insight into how those those people are doing within our own community, then we know that 10% and under in terms of online membership churn is great. So the fact that two-thirds of memberships have a churn below that benchmark and 44% or below that holy grail churn rate of 5%, then again, that was such a great takeaway. So, so, so happy to see that going on within the online membership space. Kind of on the flip side of that, uh, a little bit of a disappointment or a fairly worrying um, stat for me was that there's actually a much higher number of membership owners who just don't have any grasp on their key performance indicators. So 17.5% do not know what their churn is. 14% do not know how long members are staying for. 25% don't know what their member lifetime value is. That's not good. You need to know your numbers. Your business cannot be successful long-term unless you have a grasp of your numbers. Now, it is easier said than done because, again, the fact that this industry, this market is relatively tiny the software and the solutions out there that help us keep track of our numbers they just don't measure up now we've got something coming in the future that's going to help with that you'll be hearing more about that in the months to come but yeah this this was a little worrying there's definitely a worryingly high number of membership owners have no grasp on their kpis 14 percent of people said that they're just not taking any steps to track that data. So it's not even just a case of they have the data and they just, I don't know, they, they, they just don't bother reading it and trying to understand it. 14% are just not tracking their KPIs at all. That's definitely, definitely worrying. So that was a big takeaway for me from this report. Something else I'd also say is everyone is very sales focused. So membership owners, those conducting this uh, survey, very, very sales oriented. By far, the most common goal for membership owners over the coming year is increasing member sales. In fact, 52% said that this was their number one priority. 
this was twice as big a priority for membership owners than any other aspect of their business. Now, we often say that with memberships, retention is as important, if not more important, than acquisition. So what you do with your members is more important than just making sales. But it still definitely does seem like so many people running memberships are still really, really, really prioritizing the sales side over things like engagement, retention, customer service, and all that sort of thing. An example of that, you know, 65% of membership owners stated that they need to improve member engagement. And 22% said that this was one of their main challenges. So, you know, almost a quarter of memberships saying one of their biggest challenges is low engagement. But despite that, only 8% of people have made this their top priority in the next 12 months. So again, that just underpins what I'm saying about how everyone seems to just be drawn towards sales as their priority area. 65%, nearly two-thirds of people unhappy with member engagement. 22% saying it's their biggest problem, but less than 10% making it an actual priority. So definitely more of a sales focus than a retention or an engagement focus. I would also say though, we can be a little hard on ourselves. So I said before, I mentioned 5% churn being almost a holy grail of churn rates for online memberships. So even though that's the case and, and you know, 5% and under being widely considered a great retention rate for online memberships, almost 52% of people who were achieving that, so half, more than half of people who were getting churn that low said they weren't satisfied and they wanted it to be even lower. Now, that's admirable uh, in a lot of ways. You know, it's showing that they're not complacent, they're not taking it for granted, but also maybe just being a little hard on themselves. You know, if you're achieving 3%, 4%, 5% churn, actually, you're doing a lot of things very well and a lot of things better than many other memberships. So, you know, if if you're achieving those kind of rates, but you've got it in your head that actually that's really, really bad, then maybe that'll be a little bit of reassurance that actually, you know what, on the retention front, you've kind of, you've got everything figured out or you've got most of what you need figured out. You're actually doing really well. So maybe we need to be a little less hard on ourselves. Now, something that I found very interesting and that I wasn't expecting is just how little impact the enrollment model for your membership has. And by that, I mean whether you have a membership that is open all of the time or that has its doors closed and only opens for a few days, three or four times a year. I've spoken about this topic at length. It's a divisive topic. The closed door model is very much a fringe strategy in the online membership world, but it's one that has gained a lot more popularity in recent years. Now, I've always strongly advocated for having your doors open all of the time. There's definitely situations in which a closed door model makes a lot more sense than an open door model. However, purely if you're looking purely at sales and marketing, if there's no other customer-centric or topic-centric reason to close the doors to your membership, then I will almost always fall on the side of making sure it's open all of the time. And I've, I've dug into this topic 
so many times on a bunch of different podcasts in the past. But I was actually expecting that this report would show some significant differences between the two. The closed door model, the argument is always that this is the better way of getting a huge influx of members. But it's actually surprising how little difference the model makes on actual stats. You know, differences between the churn rate, engagement rate, pretty much every other metric were marginal between memberships that were always open and memberships that had their doors closed, which suggests that the choice of model has very, very little bearing on the key performance indicators of your membership. So as an example, 49% of memberships that are always open are making more than six figures a year. With the closed door model, that percentage drops to 43%. So on the surface, you might look at that and say, okay, so memberships that are always open are making more money than memberships that follow the closed door model. However, slightly more closed door memberships are making seven figures, 9.26% compared to 4.35% for always open memberships. So these are the margins we're talking about. And I was really, really surprised because I thought that you would definitely see some areas where open door memberships far surpassed closed door and vice versa. There's some definite, definite uh, assumed benefits of having the doors of your membership closed. But yeah, the more surprising thing is that there were no surprises. There were no major differences between the two. Even when we asked people what their biggest challenges were with memberships, again, people with open memberships, people with closed memberships, pretty similar right across the board. Although one thing I did find real interesting was that people with closed memberships, their biggest challenge that they said was finding time to do everything, which is somewhat ironic as, you know, often the closed door approach is advocated as a way to save you from having issues with finding time to do everything, to make it easier to juggle marketing and engagement. So yeah, that was that was interesting. But again, the margins are so, so small. Open close doesn't make a huge degree of difference in terms of the numbers, in terms of your fulfillment and enjoyment in running a membership. So that was real interesting for me. And again, that just maybe changed my perspective a little bit. And we always say that decisions on things like this, whether to have your doors open all the time, whether to close your doors, they really do come down to a whole bunch of, of factors and elements that are going to be real specific to you, to your topic, to your audience. And I think this just reinforces it because actually it, this kind of means that it, it really just depends on what type of model you would prefer what type of model best suits your topic? Is it something that is better to close the door so everyone can really focus on progressing through a program at the same time? Or is it better to let people dip in, dip out and to, you know, self-serve and have a little bit more flexibility around that? Are your marketing skills, are the assets you have more suited to regular launches? You know, if you've got a lot of affiliates, a lot of big connections, if you've got a big ad budget, then maybe that makes it more suited to the closed door model and vice versa. So this isn't to get into the topic too, too deeply, but I do think the fact that the end result in terms of revenue, in terms of churn and this, that and the other, doesn't seem to be affected in a big way by your choice of open door or closed door, then it definitely makes it more of a of an individual personal choice as to which to go for because neither are best. 
Neither of those models are going to get you higher sales than the other or anything like that. So yeah, that was a real, real interesting takeaway for me from this report. Something else, you know, we're talking about kind of busting myths when we talked about the three-month member tenure thing. We often rail against this whole idea that memberships are passive, that you can kick back on a beach somewhere sipping cocktails as all of this passive income just magically appears in your bank account. We all know that that's nonsense. And again, this report backs that up. So there were about 46% of people who said that they spend less than 10 hours a week on their membership. However, Almost all of those people had memberships that account for less than 25% of their business revenue. So it's not their main focus. It's not their main product. So they'll be spending 10 hours a week on their membership, but actually they're spending a whole bunch of time on other parts of their business. Now, for respondents that had memberships that make up the majority of their business, so it accounted for more than half of their revenue, 68% of people said that they work between 20 to 35 hours a week. So the idea that memberships are passive, that they require no work whatsoever and all this money will just appear, again, we know it's nonsense, now we can prove it's nonsense. On average, more than two-thirds of people who are running memberships full-time are working 20 to 35 hours per week. That's still less than the average working week, so it's certainly more passive, or certainly, you know, it doesn't need you to be grinding out 18-hour days, but there's still work involved, 20 to 35 hours a week of work. We all knew that. All you guys running memberships, you know that already, right? But for those of you who maybe haven't yet started your membership, if you've had the idea put in your head that you can just kick back and do nothing, then again, this kind of bursts that bubble. Sorry. I would also say, you know, people are achieving a lot on their own as we're talking about how much work people are doing. Surprisingly, team size seems to have very little impact on revenue, very little um, impact on how many hours you work and stuff like that. We found that people who were doing everything themselves are achieving results on par with people who have employees and contractors. Again, that's something we didn't necessarily expect because you would assume that the more people who are on your team, the the more capacity you have for doing more things that will bring you new sales that will improve your attention and all that sort of stuff, but actually it didn't really move the needle. One-man bands, solo artists are, you know, hitting the same sort of benchmarks as people with teams, which is awesome to see. Something that, again, big, big takeaway and a big validator for a topic that we are always banging the drum about is this report really, really emphasizes the importance of growing an audience before you launch your membership. We've said plenty of times in the show before that audience doesn't need to be huge. You can do a lot with a little. If you've got 500 people on your email list or in a Facebook group, that actually is a real great jumping off point for being able to get a a big enough influx of initial members to give you momentum to grow your membership year on year. However, we see so many people making the mistake of doing absolutely no audience building whatsoever. They're not building an email list. They don't have anyone following them on social, really. They don't have anyone consuming their content, but they jump right into the membership world. They build a membership, they create all this content, then they launch, and it just flops because 
They haven't got anyone to sell it to or market it to. But even though we've been banging this drum for years now, we still see people making that mistake. Now we have the numbers that will hopefully convince them not to do that because of all memberships that stated that they did not spend time building an audience prior to launching, 91.4% are making less than six figures a year. So definitely, definitely need to grow an audience first because such a small proportion of people achieve success when they rush into it and they skip that initial audience building stage. So patience definitely, definitely pays off. And as we said, you know, it doesn't need to be a case of having to spend years and years growing a huge audience before you create a membership, but you need to put in a little bit of effort, a little bit of time in audience building prior to taking that step for so many reasons that I won't dig deeper into on the show because again we talk about them a lot uh, on other episodes but yeah this really really validated and and strengthened the argument for the importance of growing your audience first before investing your time and energy into building your membership something that I just thought was a real interesting little tidbit uh, revolved around pricing so again there's a lot of data there's a lot of uh, really useful info about pricing in this report but just one thing I want to share with you um, that kind of shows that higher price doesn't necessarily mean higher revenue so some people who uh, completed the report they have kind of high tier so big ticket memberships where they're maybe charging a few hundred dollars a month typically those memberships usually are a little bit more one-on-one they've got some coaching element or you know they involve some sort of done-for-you service um those memberships where people are charging over a hundred dollars a month two-thirds of those memberships are earning more than six figures you would expect that because they are obviously premium premium high price memberships Memberships that are charging $50 to $99 a month, however, so staying out of that high tier, they actually make less than memberships at lower price points. So 28% of memberships that are charging $50 to $100 a month make over six figures, compared to 53% of memberships in the $25 to $49 a month range. So more than half of memberships that are charging 25 to 50 bucks a month make six figures a year, but only 28% of memberships in the 50 to 100 bracket are making six figures a year. 51% of memberships charging 15 to 24 dollars a month make over six figures a year. 45% of memberships that are charging one to 14 dollars a month. So these are real cheap memberships. They're making over six figures a year. So I just thought that was really, really interesting that there's definitely this this range of pricing between a standard membership fee, which, you know, depending on your uh, industry, whether you're B2B, B2C, is going to be between about $15 to $50 a month. There's a gap between a normal membership price and then the high tier memberships of over $100 a month, which again, usually what they're offering is a lot more premium. It's a lot more coaching or service or software based. But that gap, the $50 to $100, where people just aren't making as much money because it's presumably too expensive compared to regular memberships, while also not offering deliverables on par 
with uh, higher price memberships to justify people paying that amount. I just thought it was real, real interesting to point out higher price doesn't necessarily mean higher revenue. And the last thing I want to mention as well that surprised me a little bit, people are actually a lot happier with their tech than I would have expected. Now, we get so many questions in our Facebook group and inside our own membership about technology. And you always see people kind of griping and groaning about their membership plugin won't do this or they're fed up with this email software or whatever. So I was kind of expecting, we asked people, obviously, you know, what are you using for your membership? Are you satisfied? Are you happy with your tech? And we expected a very low percentage of people to say they were actually satisfied because that reflects a lot of the noise that you do here anywhere that people are talking about memberships and membership software. So it was actually surprising that over 88% of membership owners stated that they were happy with the technology they're using for their membership. That's even more surprising when we consider that two-thirds of memberships are using WordPress with a membership plugin. So that means they're piecing together multiple plugins. And the more you need to do that, the more complex things get, the more chance there is that something will happen that will annoy you. And also, 83% of membership owners actually built their website themselves rather than hiring someone to help them. So Considering both of those, the fact that people are muddling through this themselves and most of them are doing it using WordPress, so they're having to um, patch together a lot of different plugins. The fact that nearly 90% of membership owners still said they were happy with their technology really took me by surprise. So yeah, I just I just felt that was interesting. So as we said, there's so much more to dive into inside the online membership industry report, far more than I possibly could get into on this show. I just wanted to pull out some of the most pertinent takeaways and some of the most interesting things that uh, I found reading it as a membership owner myself. Definite, definite good signs that the industry is healthy, growing, people are being successful, they're making six and seven figures. We've totally destroyed some of the most prevalent myths within the membership world. The myth that people only stay for three months, the myth that memberships are totally passive. We've completely blown those away we've identified some worrying facts the fact that membership owners just don't know their numbers and a lot of them aren't even tracking their numbers and that there's still a little too much of a skew towards focusing on sales rather than retention and engagement we've revealed some interesting things like the fact that open close in terms of whether your doors are always open whether you close and then just launch a few times a year doesn't really make that much of a difference in terms of the end result. And so it's it all really comes down to what's good for you, what's good for your audience, what's good for the topic. It makes it a much more personal choice rather than having to go with one approach because it gets the best results. Uh, we've also shown that, you know, team size doesn't really impact revenue and other KPIs or other aspects. People are doing a lot on their own. Maybe they've been a little too hard on themselves in terms of thinking they're not achieving great results when actually they're doing real well. I think the example of how many people were unhappy that their churn was 5% and under is a good sign of that. Um, Again, we've reiterated some real important stuff like how important it is to grow your audience first before 
taking the steps into the membership world. So lots of real interesting takeaways there, even more interesting trends, benchmark stats, data, and takeaways to come. If you head over to onlinemembershipreport.com or check out the show notes, we'll have the link to the report. You can download it instantly. There's no email opt-in. We want to get this data out there and make it as easy as possible for you to consume it. Um, So yeah, and we'll be doing this every single year and keeping you apprised of the latest benchmarks and trends within the space. Just as a closing note though, as, as interesting and as useful as this report is, and as much as we want you to check it out, we absolutely don't want you to get obsessed. Don't fall into the trap of comparisonitis. If you check out this report, or if you've just listened to the podcast and some of the things you've heard, make you think that your performance just isn't stacking up, or, you know, what's happening in your membership isn't in line with some of the benchmarks that the report shows, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. A study like this can never tell the full story. It doesn't matter how many questions we ask people or how deep we go, it'll never show the full story. There are so many factors at play. So while the online membership industry report is great as a general barometer, a good thumb in the air, to show you broadly what's going on in the membership space. And while it's great for inspiration and guidance, it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all for your business. So please, use it as inspiration. Use it to broaden your awareness of the industry. But don't think that it's a singular measuring stick that you have to live by, that you get obsessed with. And similarly, don't let this make you complacent. If you read the report and you see that actually you're outperforming what some other people are doing, that's not an excuse to take it for granted. So again, just it's almost kind of saying use this report responsibly and recognize it for what it is in the context of its actual impact on your business. It's so important that all of us just run our own race, focus on running your own race. And remember that really the only benchmarks that matter and the only numbers that you need to compete with are your own. So with all that said, definitely still head over, definitely head over to onlinemembershipreport.com. Check out this report. There's so much more in it than we've gone into in this episode. And of course, we pulled out and summarized some more takeaways and some of the key data in there. Be very interested in hearing uh, your thoughts on it, how you're stacking up, what surprised you, what was the most interesting thing from the report. Let us know inside our free Facebook group. If you go to talkmemberships.com, that'll take you, it'll redirect you through the magic of the internet to our Facebook group. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this report. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. That is it from me for this week. Hopefully you found it useful. You'll get all the show notes for today's episode at themembershipguys.com slash 226. You'll find some links to some past episodes that go deeper into some things we talked about here, as well as a direct link to the uh, report itself for you to check out. That's it. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next week. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. 
The Membership Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Membership Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. Check it out at membershipacademy.com. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com webinar That's membershipgeeks.com slash webinar to secure your free seat today.